think I accidentally nailed it on the timing of releasing this podcast. If I had put this out last year, I don't know how interesting it would have been. I think you would have heard me episode to episode saying pretty much the same thing, which would have been, the market is insane. It's crazier today than it was yesterday. Sellers have at it. You can get anything you want. Buyers, beware. It's brutal out there. You're going to get beat up and, you know, maybe be prepared to give up a kidney because that's what it takes to compete against 15 to 25 other buyers on a single property. Today, things are a little bit different. We are currently experiencing a bit of a market shift. And if you've been paying attention at all, probably already aware of this. This shift, this market shift, that's what I want to talk about today. Welcome to For Real Estate, a podcast about the greater Portland, Maine real estate market for buyers, sellers, and industry professionals. I'm Nova Tower, your host and realtor at Portside Real Estate Group. It's a very interesting time to be in the marketplace as a consumer and as a professional. I've been paying attention to Portland area real estate for about 12 years. I've been investing for a little over nine and I've been brokering for almost seven. But I've also had the advantage of being mentored by brokers who have been around double and triple that amount of time. And from my viewpoint and theirs, we are truly in a unique place in time. We've never been here before. To set the tone on where that is, let me just real quick recap things. Since 2020, we've seen a pandemic-fueled market with the rise of remote working and increased state-to-state migration. We've seen dramatically and rapidly rising property values and competition that at least I for sure have never seen before. Uh, We've had unprecedented low interest rates, more cash buyers than usual, And uniquely, we've had buyers who are prioritizing quality of life in a home over money in the bank because they're spending more time at home or they had been during the pandemic. It's a lot. It's a lot of uh, new influence on the real estate market. And that puts us here today in a new place because we don't know what the months ahead look like. We've come off of uh, the last two years of, of new territory, and now we are able to look back with some hindsight and try to digest what happened and to see how we got to the place that we're in, but we don't know what's next, and we are in the shift as we speak right now. We're, we're in it. Even those brokers who have been around for 20, 30 years, they've never seen this particular pivot point before. So I'm excited. I'm excited to create this space um, at this point in time to be able to share with you guys what I'm seeing along the way and to bring diverse and creative perspectives to the table with brilliant guests because I think we're going to need some perspective in the months ahead. Today, though, it's just me. I want to start with a baseline market check-in. First up, let's get through some definitions. What is the market that I'm talking about? I've said this podcast is for the greater Portland area, but what is that? As far as I know, there's no technical definition. It's not like New York City with five neatly defined boroughs. When I say the greater Portland market, I mean it to include the towns that are roughly within about a half-hour drive of Portland and with significant overlap in the buyer profile for those towns. 
to me, these towns are Portland, South Portland, Cape Elizabeth, Scarborough, Westbrook, Gorham, Falmouth, Yarmouth, North Yarmouth, Cumberland, Freeport, and Brunswick. These are the towns I work in the most, which is also part of why I group them together. Your list might not include some of these towns. It might have some others in there. Arguably, Saco and Biddeford maybe belong in there as well. I work in that area a lot. However, in my experience, the Saco Biddeford market tends to follow slightly different trends. And a lot of the buyers that I have for that area aren't necessarily coming to these other towns. They're not coming further north. So for the purposes here, I'm going to keep Saco Biddeford separate. And really, the case could be made that each one of these towns is its own market. But in order to cover some ground and share some information to a wider audience, I have to group things somehow, some way, and this is how I do it. Again, you might define Greater Portland Market in a different way, but this is my podcast. So <laughs> that's my definition, and I'm sticking to it. Within that area, I'm focusing on residential real estate. That includes single-family homes, condos, and multifamilies with four units or fewer. We will talk a little bit about commercial real estate here and there, which does include residential multifamilies over five units. I do have some experience. I own a commercial property. However, it's really not my expertise, and I will let some more experienced guests weigh in on those topics when the time comes. And finally, I just want to acknowledge the range of prices when I'm talking about the market. I work with buyers and sellers in two hundred to $300,000 range, all the way up to the top of our market, which is generally around five to $6 million. In other areas in Maine, like Kennebunkport and the Midcoast, I've seen values above that, but around here, that's about where we cap out. The market I'm talking about is the greater Portland area, residential, and with the full spectrum of pricing. So... What is this shift about, and is it market-wide, or is it only affecting some portion of the market? The quick answer is that I'm seeing the shift impact every segment of the market, but I am seeing it manifest selectively from one property to the next. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, but to be clear, I want to say right up front, the shift is not signaling a downturn market, in my opinion. I don't know what's ahead with the economy, but right now what I am seeing is most properties are still selling in multiple offers and closing with really attractive terms for sellers. The shift is subtle. It does vary quite a bit one property to the next. Maybe the best thing I could do is try to illustrate it with a then versus now scenario for a good quality listing. So a year ago, and this could be true at any price point, this could be true in variety of categories of types of properties, but a year ago, a good listing could hit the market and pull 40 to 70 showings. It could receive 10, 15, 20, 25 offers, and it could close 15 to 30% over asking with various contract contingencies waived, if not all contingencies waived. Today, that same listing could come on and it might pull 20 to 30 showings. It might receive three, five, six, seven, eight, nine offers and close five to 20% over asking. Maybe some contingencies are waived, but maybe some contingencies are in place, even if they've been modified to make them more attractive to sellers. Now, there are exceptions to everything I just said, because remember I said the shift is selective. If the property is listed below 400,000, 
it may still be getting double-digit offers. If the home is right in the middle of the bell curve in terms of having the specs that the majority of buyers want and it's cosmetically updated in a great location, yeah, that house is probably still fetching double digits. If it's a perfect waterfront dream home, you betcha offers are going to be aggressive. Condos are a little bit different. It's a little bit more hit or miss depending on where the condo is located and the quality of it. The ratio sort of holds the comparison of how competitive things were a year ago to how they were today, whether we're looking at a condo, a multifamily, or a single-family home. I would say overall it has softened a little bit today in the volume of offers that are being received and the, the level of aggression in the offer terms. I've also seen some properties sell at asking price for the first time in years, and I've seen even one property under contract recently uh, below asking, and now it's only by a few percentage points below, and there's some unique reasons why, but still, there it is. So why is this shift happening? If I tried to get into every facet of this question, people would stop listening because this episode would be two hours long. But I do want to highlight what I think are some fascinating factors at play. I want to break it out into a simple supply and demand equation. Before that, though, I do want to say overall, this shift is a positive change in my opinion. The market needed relief from the pressure of the last two years. It, it wasn't sustainable. I'm hopeful that this shift marks a return to stability. I don't expect that we're going to go back to a pre-COVID market exactly, but at least maybe we will have a return to some more normal market behaviors and a little more compromise between sellers and buyers than what we had been seeing in 2020 and 2021. So supply and demand. Supply is, of course, our seller population. You guys, supply is down big time. I am feeling it. My buyers are feeling it. Everybody's talking about this low inventory. Across single families, multis, and condos in the 12 towns I listed, supply was down in May 2022 from May 2021 by 8.7%. Of course, that means sales are down by a similar factor. There's even less to look at now than there was a year ago, which a year ago it felt like there was nothing to look at too. So we're in a pretty tight inventory. I think there are a lot of contributing factors, and some of them we've all heard before, but there's one I kind of want to tease out that I think is really fascinating, and that's the recent boom in refinancing. Now, I don't have data points on this. This is just my speculation and what my experience is telling me, but I think a lot of would-be sellers have recently refinanced, and they have outrageously low interest rates, and that's incentivizing them to stay put. This has been proofed out in some conversations I've had recently with folks who have said, I would ideally sell this house and get into something better suited to my lifestyle, but it's hard to stomach giving up a 2.5% interest rate to take a five, five and a half rate. I think the conundrum there is sellers need to figure out what is more valuable to them, their interest rates in their monthly budget or quality of life within their home. And do they have flexibility in that budget to seek out you know, whatever quality of life they would prefer to have. That's not always an easy thing to tease apart. So a lot of sellers are frozen and on the fence about what to do. With supply down, that keeps pricing high and terms competitive, but at the same time, the demand is also down. Demand is, of course, our buyer population, and there are fewer buyers on the market lately. I know this because I'm seeing it, but also because I talk to lenders every day and they tell me that mortgage applications are down. 
The obvious factor here is rising interest rates. I'm not going to talk too much about that today because on the next episode, we'll be hearing from a lender on this. But the rates are up from historically low numbers and buyers who are less financially resilient to this shift are dropping out of the market. I'm also seeing some investors drop out for this reason too. I think another obvious factor is fear of what the economy will do. People are afraid of recession, that dirty word. Again, I'm not diving into that too much today. I'll save that for an economist. But another highlight I want to tease out that is maybe not been really too much a part of the conversation, but maybe it really should be, is what about the impact on buyers of the, quote, great resignation? Now, again, I have no data points on this. It's sheer speculation and something I'm really curious about. So listeners, if you know something, reach out to me. But I think the great resignation has taken some buyers out too. I've had a few of these clients myself in the last year. In order to qualify for conventional lending, most buyers will need to have a secure salary with pay stubs or a two-year history of wages to show for themselves. In general, changing careers and taking a salary reduction or leaving a cushy salary to start your own business is the kiss of death for your financing qualifications. So if you are self-employed, you need to show two years worth of profit and loss. If you're starting a new business, you just don't have that. And during the pandemic, there has been a massive wave of employees quitting their jobs and seeking these career changes or starting their own businesses. And this can take them out of the buyer population. My own family is an example of this. My husband recently left his career of 15 years to start his own business. And as we were planning for that shift, we realized, well, we need to hurry up because we already knew we wanted to sell our house. It wasn't quite right for us anymore. And we wanted to buy something that we would be in long term, you know, before our kids got into the school system. And we realized if we don't hurry up and do that, once, once he made this career shift, we might struggle to qualify for the loan that we wanted so we were one of those crazy families in 2021 that rushed to sell our house and then we went on the market as buyers. But if you didn't get to that in time, if you made that career shift before you were able to buy that house, then you, you might be off the market. What are some takeaways for sellers and for buyers in this shift? Sellers. If you're having trouble deciding if it's worth it for you to leave your 2.5% interest rate behind, maybe start by reaching out to a lender you trust and ask for a loan estimate with today's interest rates so that you can put real math behind the speculation. If you do know you want to sell, but you've been putting it off, well, maybe don't anymore because who knows what's around the corner. Right now, it's still a good time to sell, and it's become a better time to buy a little bit, again, selectively. So if you want to sell and then buy, reach out to your broker and get it going. Also, please, sellers, please be gentle on your brokers if they tell you news you don't want to hear. I am sorry, but this shift means that you might not necessarily expect to sell your home today in the same way that your cousin sold hers last year. You might need to compromise a little bit more depending on your property. Maybe not, but maybe. So find a good broker and then trust their gut on the marketability of your home in this shifting time. Buyers. Try not to stress the interest rates 
too much. You haven't really missed out. Interest rates are still good. They aren't pandemic market good anymore, but they've never been there before and they may never again. Where we are now is pretty much par for the course. And if you've been fatigued over the last year or so and you've taken maybe a time out from buying, perhaps now is a good time to check back in with your brokers because things have softened a little bit and you can even sometimes buy a home with inspections again. Yay! <laughs> to my colleagues, I would say reach out to your clients if you haven't talked to them in a little bit and update them because I suspect that what a lot of people are hearing from the news and maybe curmudgeon Uncle Joe on Facebook, that might be a little bit more intimidating and scary than what's actually happening in the marketplace. I've always been reminded by mentors in my world that you are their expert, not Facebook and not NPR. So more than ever, our clients need to hear our experiences directly from us right now because the market is confusing and there is a lot of misinformation flying around and a lot of information driven by fear more than reality. So reach out, check in. A little bit of a summary. Supply is down, keeping things competitive, but demand is also down, softening the aggression among the competing buyers that are still out there. The effect is that we are trending towards stability, in my opinion. The question that I don't pretend to have the answer to, are we going to hang out there for a while in a stable place, or are we going to bypass stability and trend further down into a recession market? I don't know, but... Hopefully, we're going to find out together in the months ahead, in the year ahead, right here on For Real Estate. 